0: Welcome to Kill You With Truth, the afternoon podcast, myself, D-Mac, and Nate Jackson and Chad Brown. And we're from different parts today as uh, logistics just forced us to be in that particular situation. I think it's actually Nate's situation that's forcing us more than anything, but that's for a very good reason. Don't forget, tomorrow we will have a watch-along for the Broncos and the Chiefs at Chad Brown's house with a very special guest, and it will be only one special guest because our other special guest is a big wimp and won't be there. But we will have a very special guest that the big reveal will be tomorrow. Again, Nate, why don't you explain why the hell we're doing this today and uh, what's
1: going on in your life that forces us to be remote? I'm hopping on a flight in a couple hours, boys, and I'm flying to the City of Angels, uh, Los Angeles, and I'm meeting with a writer and a director. Uh, he likes my book. I've been down this road before. My book was optioned for the film concussion with oh. Will Smith. And I was a consultant on that. Film. Oh, um, got a little bit of money, but it was also a very disappointing experience because the writer director, a guy named Peter Landisman made me a lot of promises that did not come into fruition. He actually told me I was going to be in the film oh. because there were some football, football scenes in the film and it takes place in Pittsburgh actually. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I was talking to him about the film. I read his script. We were going over all the stuff that he was going to put in there. And he's like, I want you to be on the in the film, suiting up, and you could be in the football scene. I was actually training for football wow. stuff. And then the week the week before filming started, uh, he stopped returning my calls. He literally stopped returning Why? my calls. And so um, that was, I don't know, man. He's he's just a jerk. Just a uh, jerk. So, okay. <laughs>
0: jerk from the jerk so, store. So that
1: was my introduction into Hollywood. Because I was, at that time, working on my own script, and he wanted me to become a part of his thing. So they optioned my book, which meant I couldn't make my own script for 18 months. They owned my book for 18 months. And so uh, my book was tied up with that film. Once they it was released, I owned it again. So I could do whatever I want with it. I've taken some meetings since then. Nothing wow. has come of it. So anything comes of this? Well, well
0: best of luck. It's like a, a movie about making yep. movies. so. <laughs> And Chad, mm-hmm. yeah. you are you're doing some cool stuff too, right? You're on ESPN Radio again soon.
2: I'm on ESPN Radio tomorrow, most likely, depending on how the baseball playoffs mm-hmm. go. I've got, uh, gosh, uh, Ohio State at Purdue wow. this weekend, and then in, in reality TV news, I am working on a show called the Lazarus Project okay. uh, that we go look at species of animals that are thought to be endangered and try to find them in the wild. What? It's been, Three years we've been working on this. Nothing has come of it yet. So it's like uh, the thing that Nate was just talking about where they give you all kind of promises and uh, we'll see how it all turns out in the end.
0: I'm just hanging out in the cat piss closet with my trophies.
2: <laughs> Seriously. I'm shooting this from a
0: little closet uh, in the basement and we open the door and I keep my skis and my amazing trophies. And we realize somehow the fucking cats got in here and pissed all over the place. And, That's all I got going on.
2: But you do have like a signature on one of those skis though, right? Jeremy
0: Bloom. Jeremy Bloom's autograph. Yeah, go Buffs. go buffs. He was doing a charity thing at Copper Mountain. These are actually very heavy skis. My uncle, Bob McKee, is the founder of the Irish ski team. You can look it up. He qualified for the Olympics. He used to ski in the World Cup. He went by OPA because he was in his late 30s when he got dual citizenship in Ireland and skied for the Irish ski team. And these are actually skis that he um, used to, to race in that he gave to me a long time ago. They're useless now. Look at them. But Jeremy autographed them for me at an event at Copper Mountain. And uh, I love them. I've, I've always meant to hang them up and do something with them, but I, I'm lazy. But that's Jeremy Bloom's autograph on these skis. So there you go. Go Buffs. All right, nice. let's get in. Yes. Is Jeremy Bloom.
1: Hey, real quick. Is Jeremy, is Jeremy Bloom the most successful? former CU buff athlete of
0: all time uh no the most successful CU athlete yeah. well I mean oh, yeah you know you got Chauncey Billups who was a MVP of the NBA finals okay. he was pretty good I mean you got Just you got out Super there, Bowl man. champion uh Alfred Williams you know I mean we mm-hmm. could you got a Supreme Court justice um I don't know Chad the Supreme Court Justice was a was it an athlete I as well. I think so. Yeah, Byron yeah. Wizard White. Yeah. So uh-huh.
2: <laughs> you got Spencer Dinwiddie in the NBA, who's made over a hundred million dollars, <laughs> depending on how you want to value success the dollars. This is Spencer, if it's legacy, it's probably Byron Wizard White. If it's uh, multiple sport athlete, yeah, it's probably Jeremy Bloom. If it's football, Alfred's in the College right. Football Hall of Fame. If it's in Cliff Branch is in the NFL Hall of Fame. So the list is long for the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, and they
0: have multiple, Olymp- they have multiple Olympians in cross country too, which is yes. arguably what Mark has put together in the cross country program. <laughs> Maybe the best thing CU has going, period.
2: Mary Decker Slainer, uh Olympic champion, gold medalist. She was a Colorado so, Buffalo. Slaney. Slady. Slady it's all right
0: you know i'm thinking more about this jerry judy yelling at old people thing should they should they just trade jerry judy should they just get rid of him seriously guys
2: yeah Yeah. they should he's not going to be happy here he's not going to be happy i I think he's going to have a difficult time being happy any place but certainly it has not gone well here um with the conversation from yesterday i did a dive into social media looking at jerry judy jerry judy has been convinced by social media clips of him running filthy jerry judy route check this out check out jerry judy's offseason footwork tape he's been influenced by that and not realizing that that is social media football is actually Mm. real you got to go out there and do it with other people. You've got to be consistent. You got to be, do it in a way that's sustainable. Uh, you know, Again, a different era, but hard to imagine that Jerry Rice would be trying to win the offseason with social media clips. Jerry Rice would be trying to win during the season with real football. Um, and so Jerry Judy's got a twisted perception of what the NFL is, what success actually is as an NFL player. Social media has got nothing to do with it. It's about what you do on the field during the games. So to your point, uh yeah, let's find him some greener pastures for him that allows the Broncos to get some of that draft capital back and move forward without this guy who's very mm. thin skinned and underperforming. Nate.
1: Yeah, it would be one thing if he was performing on the field and then he had this volatile personality off off the field. But he doesn't. He's not performing on the field. Chad, you just mentioned Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice, every time he came off the line scrimmage, everything looked exactly Mm. the same. Um, And at the point of contact, he was strong. He was reliable. He had good hands. He was a very smart football player, willing to do the dirty work. None of those things describe Jerry Judy. The things that you just talked about, the the, sort of the and one mixtape route running thing that you put on Instagram, how often do you really Hmm. get to do that in a game? Once? Twice do you shake a guy out of his shoes where you're that wide open? Most of the time, being a receiver in the NFL involves making plays at the point of contact, catching the ball in contested areas, uh, breaking tackles, making, um, you know, difficult catches. He's not doing any of that. He's not doing any of the dirty work. He's clearly easily rattled mentally. I agree. Just, Just ship him out. Let him start over somewhere. He's clearly not uh,
0: yeah. It, it, Tim here. Jenkins does great breakdowns and he showed on the play, the penultimate play, not the final play, but the play that ended the game with the, um, the, the, the fumble scoop and score. First of all, watching Tim break it down. Russell Wilson, of course, has to recognize what's going on. I mean, there's a dude completely uncovered coming at you. I get it. And the, the play is just to throw it to the running back out in the flat. And I get it. It's short of the sticks, but you give it a shot. Meanwhile, on that play, he points out Jerry Judy should have cut in around four or five yards, and Cortland Sutton should have gone about 10 yards. But when you watch the play, Judy is so easily moved off his route. He goes deeper, and for whatever wacky reason, Sutton just cuts it short. I think because he's not given full effort. And if you watch that play, they run into each other because one guy's short and one guy's oh, far. Man. It's it's comical, and Russ doesn't pick up what's happening on the play, guys. It's just such a comedy of errors when it matters the most, Nate.
1: I don't. How does this happen though how, with a guy like Sean me? Payton? How does that you know, who, happen? Who, who, that's right. the bizarre part, right? There's the, the, the BJ's talking about how it's bizarre. You you know they're <laughs> drilling this stuff in practice. You know they're being taught where to be. You know that the receiver coach. Kerry Colbert, a guy who I know and played with is a smart guy. He's telling these guys where they're supposed to be. They're watching it on film. They're doing it at practice. It's not translating in the Maybe it's a mm. fitness thing. Maybe they're tired. And at the end of the game, they mm. forget their rules because they're so gassed. Jerry Judy couldn't make it through a, you know, a, a, a practice right. against the Rams in training camp. He kind of per- turned it down. This guy is not physically strong enough to handle 60 minutes and be there in the fourth quarter. Uh, with strength and making plays and being where he's supposed to be. So I don't know, man, it is a bizarre thing. And, you know, these guys maybe would be. So this question
0: now go to you, Chad, if this is what, you know, being pointed out and I give Tim Jenkins full credit for doing it, it was awesome to see these things are tough to pick up live, almost impossible. Uh, But going back and looking at it, like you're, holy shit, like, okay, I get it. How many other things, Chad, I mean, and I, I'll, I'll just ask you directly, have you seen other things like that when you're watching the Broncos?
2: I have. And, you know, on the last couple of podcasts we've done, I've talked about uh, some defensive plays where I'm looking at the play and I'm trying to piece it together from the TV copy and replaying it over and over and over. In some cases, it takes like 25 or 30 watches of a single play to look at all 11, mm-hmm. 11 players, figure out what their responsibilities are and how they are performing. And there have some, been some defensive plays where all 11 players were wrong at some point during the play. So it's not just the wide receiver room. It's systemic issue around this team. Uh, you know, Mike McGlinchey is on pace to give up 13 sacks wow. this season, the worst of his career. We knew he wasn't a very good pass blocker coming in, but somehow he's come here and he's gotten worse. So when things go bad around you as a football player, then for whatever reason, it begins to chip away at your play. When I was on a Seattle Seahawks team that had the worst run defense in the league, that probably from a, you know, a PFF grade standpoint, that was probably the worst year of my career because now I'm trying to do too much or I'm trying to make up for somebody else or we're constantly on the field for 18 play drives. And I'm now I'm getting tired. And now they're running at me because they've got me in my week at my weak point. So it just starts to fall apart in ways that are unexpected and uh, bizarre, maybe a good word to put to it. But to go back to Jerry yeah. Judy, for a guy who is so, so thin skinned with outside noise, do you think suddenly within the meetings he's thick skinned and he receives right. it well there? This is a thread that runs throughout this dude's life. This is how he looks at things. So I'm not surprised for him to make a mistake in a critical moment in a ball game because you don't take, coaching well you don't take outside coaching well you probably don't take coaching well within the building which lends itself to making mistakes in the most critical well, moments in the ball i you might have interesting
1: bre- oh go ahead hey, Nate, hey man, real sure. real quick T-Mac, real quick yeah you're one in four i mean your season's basically almost done at this point you got to send a message to the locker room and either bench him or trade him and allow some younger players to go in guys yeah. we're gonna give more effort we're gonna be in the right spot we're gonna take the coaching internalize that and do that on the field guys we're gonna bust their ass in the running game you know um it sets a bad precedent in the locker room and threatens to kind of poison the culture you're trying to create if you allow a guy like that to continue going out on the field. But, you know, Jerry, Judy kind of could go
0: to the Bills and be a superstar. No, he would
1: not be he a would? superstar. No. No, he won't be a superstar wow. anyway. You know why? Because his, like, his hands are like wet fish. When he tries to catch the ball, he goes like that. And when someone tries to tackle him, they get an arm on him, he goes down. He's not strong enough at the point of attack to be a superstar in the NFL. That's my opinion. Every once in a while, he will get wide open. Sure, fine, good route. But can you do it every day, every play, 60 minutes, 17 games plus playoffs? No, I don't. Well, think we
0: are old people, so we would anticipate being yelled at by Jerry Judy with <laughs> Nate's explanation of fish hands. What kind of fish are those? Are they carp? On, Is it salmon? Is it flounder? Maybe flounder. <laughs> trout. trout, they're trout.
2: Oh, not even a strong majestic fish, just a no. small river trout. Okay. Is it
0: Rocky Mountain trout? Is it?
2: <laughs> it's one of those those trouts they breed uh, at that, that prison farm prison out there in the farm western slope. trout
0: hands. Right. He has prison farm <laughs> trout hands. Wow, damn. Well, he's not gonna like that. That's not gonna that's not gonna, He's gonna I'm gonna
1: get I'm gonna get a tweet. It, I'm gonna get a tweet. You know
0: you know who um is is actually jealous about that? Broncos tight end Adam Troutman <laughs> 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 Oh we we'll kill, kill you, you with troops the fishman. They'll kill you kill with, with trout. trout. Okay, so <laughs> they're gonna get Fucking killed by the Jesus. i mean i mean is that what we're saying essentially but i guess that's hard. No.
1: Well, no 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 not really man like i i said this a couple days ago this is actually a pretty good opportunity sleeping. to catch them yeah, a bit. you know sleeping a little bit um if you can get if you can find a way to believe that you have a chance to win this game i think they've lost what five thousand <laughs> straight games to the Chiefs. <laughs> that's right so how how do you, how do you get these guys up for this? And and I think you got to play some younger guys, you know, to set a precedent. Maybe, I don't know, man, but no. It's if very, they very lost unlikely. to the Chiefs
0: 5,000 straight times, they played twice a year. What year would the first loss be in? Uh, 500 so BC. That's so funny. <laughs> Somebody, some um, in the comments, yeah. somebody can figure out that they play twice a year. Obviously, no playoff games. So you've missed the playoffs for
2: 5,000 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's 2,500 years. No, it's 2,500 years, twice a year, 5,000.
2: That's 500 BC, man. Yeah, Nate's math is correct-ish. It's roughly sure. correct. Yeah. Now this Chiefs team, they have played down to the level of their opponents almost every single week. Um, and they have to have a, a one-score victory. So certainly within the realm of possibility, this Broncos team could beat this Chiefs team. I, I could see some scenarios where that happens. Because, again, I do a uh, hit on Chiefs radio once a week, and they are just disgusted with how the returning Super Bowl champions are just trying to find a way to squeak wait, wait, by every single hell week. Why the do and you so- do
0: Chiefs radio once a week? Once a week?
2: Uh, Kendall Gammon. Uh, one of my teammates in Pittsburgh is on Chiefs radio. So I do a hit with them once a week. Yeah, we go around the NFL. Broncos, but has got to be on other the
0: NFL stuff, right?
2: We touch on the Broncos. We touch on the Buffs, uh, okay. obviously. But we go around the horn on the NFL. Yes. Um, but, yes, the Chiefs are, have been underperforming by their standards. And they are playing down to the level of their opponent. They're the better team. I think there's a confidence that they're going to find a way to win. But at some point, if you play down to your opponents every single week, you're not going to get lucky. The ball's going to bounce the other team's way, and they might find themselves in the. And by the way,
0: I do. Um, I've been doing regular hits in um, South Dakota radio recently, so I don't want to. You don't. You're not the only one that gets <laughs> to brag. What up, Black Hills? <laughs> Something like that. Uh, okay, I, I want to go back to Nate just for a quick second. So you come out of a Division three school, undrafted, all that sort of stuff. Um, listen, you had a, a a different path to the NFL than a lot of guys. So I'm curious about your experience with dudes that you did play with. Now, again, you played for the Broncos mostly. And for the most part, they were actually good. But but could you tell a different attitude or uh, effort from guys that actually went to the Alabamas, Penn States, Michigans of the world when you actually met up with them in the pros?
1: Not really, man. To me, it was all about. The, the difference that I experienced was between the San Francisco 49ers where I started out and then the Denver Broncos where I, where I ended up um, the 49ers were my childhood team. I thought it was going to be like, <sighs> the Denver Broncos ended up being right. like what I thought the 49ers would feel like the 49ers were a bit in disarray, even though they were pretty good. Um, they had made the playoffs. Um, Steve Mariucci was a guy that they didn't want to keep around. And so they, you know, fired him and brought in a new guy and the leadership was was pretty solid but it wasn't that good i got here to the denver broncos man and it was just like everybody well on the same page oiled yeah, machine. Okay. it was clear gotcha yes everyone was on the same page and and the leaders at mm. there was leaders at each position group who who right. embodied the standard right rod smith ed mccaffrey gotcha. particularly rod smith embodied the standard in that receiver room
0: yeah, let's go through about them real quick. So you would have Ed and Rod. I assume Nalen was one of those guys on the offensive line. Yeah. Um
1: yep, Nalen, Matt Lepsis. I mean um, Al Wilson, Trevor Price. Um, you know, um Shannon Sharp was on that team still when I was there. Jake Plummer was the quarterback, Jason Elam was the kicker, you know. He wasn't running out in a referee, throwing flags at practice. He was just making kicks. He was just making kicks. and so every single <laughs> right. and then keith burns was our who, who um, turned out to be a coach teams captain so right. every right. exactly everywhere you looked, there was a guy so it didn't matter you were a big star at stand- alabama or somewhere
0: else you had to get into this culture
1: um nobody talked about it no one talked about it the only time everyone talked about college was like when one of their teams was playing the other team that week mm. and they were like put some money on it and they were you know yelling about it for a couple minutes in the locker room but Other than that, it wasn't like out on the field like, man, I went to Alabama. Don't you care about me? No, no. It's about what you're doing today at practice and then how you're perceived on film when the coaches watch it. Are you playing well or not? If you're not, you cut or bench. And if you are, you play. And Chad, of course, very Steelers
0: culture is legendary. I assume, you know, they didn't care where you went to college, that sort of thing. But you guys were winning right from the start anyways too. Both of you guys actually went to teams that won. Jerry Judy's is going to a team that's hasn't won in years, but that's, that can't be an excuse. Right, Chad.
2: I've got a little bit of grace for Jerry Judy because of his Alabama experience and coming to the Broncos and being around this dysfunction at the quarterback position, at the head coaching position, you, you know, Alabama, <clears throat> there's Heisman right. trophy winners under center. So maybe the greatest college coach of all right. time is on the sideline. Come here. I can understand the frustration, But at some point, you've got to mature. You've got to turn into a professional football player. So Jerry Judy has yet to do that from a maturity standpoint, from an outlook standpoint. But then to go back to what Nate was saying earlier, also from a playing strength standpoint, if you get rerouted seven yards off your route, you can't be on time. So there's a certain maturity that has to come once you get into the NFL. Your college skill set got you in the door, but it's your professional growth and your professionalism that keeps you there. He has yet to get that. Okay, part down.
0: um, the Avalanche start tonight. There's a new player on the team. His name is Thomas. Thomas. Tatar. Tatar. Can you? It's T A T A R. Can you guess what his nickname is? Nate. Ta- titties. It's not titties. Titties. His <laughs> <Titties? laughs> nickname is not titties. It's not. Duffy's? Tatar. Tatata,
1: tatar G. sauce. Tommy, can uh, you guess what oh, his name is? Tatar sauce. Yeah, Tatar sauce. Tat. Fish <laughs> thing. Close. Fish thing.
0: Close. Keep going. You're super close. <laughs> Trout <laughs> his ant. His name is Tuna. Know, tell me. <laughs> his nickname is Tuna. <laughs> Trout ant. Okay. Okay. Wait, prison. What was it? Prison farm. Prison farm crowd hands.
2: Trout. That is a terrible big yes.
0: game. All right. And on that note, we wish the <laughs> Avalanche uh, good luck on me staying up. We'll have a reaction to that. Um, a, a mini little version of I kill you Tooth podcast after that game. And then the Nuggets actually won last night. And um, Julian Strathmer, eh, you know, I'm getting to know the guys. I uh, had a great night. Uh, <laughs> it's close. But they're they're in Chicago, so when we're watching the game with the Broncos and the Chiefs, we'll also have a side eye on the Nuggets game, and that is a hint as to who our special guest is because he insisted on that. Guys, um, if you get lung screened, it can save your life. Even if you smoked for a million years, get screened for lung cancer. It could really, really help. That's some solid advice there. Boys, I love you. Uh, have a great travel day, Nate. Come back with a contract or some sort of promise Hollywood will never intend to keep. And Chad, please put on some pants. Right. You, we, we, we all realize Chad is not wearing pants right now, right? Nate, you understand, right? Of course. Oh yeah. Okay. We need. <laughs> right, stop. Stop. Collaborate, and listen. Um, see ya. love you boys. We'll talk to you later.